Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you have questions about today's episode, if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. You can email us at ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us at sfdiocese and use the hashtag ignition. Again, at sfdiocese with a hashtag ignition. Um, my guest co-host today is Father John Rutten. Hi, Father. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's uh, good to be with you. Good to have you on. And for those listeners who maybe haven't heard you on other shows before, maybe didn't listen to last week's episode, could you just briefly introduce yourself? Yes, I <coughs> am a son of the North End, grew up at the cathedral in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I entered seminary in 2000, or I was ordained in 2012, so I had a bit of a business background. Spent a couple years in Yankton at Sacred Heart Parish. Three amazing years. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing years as the pastor of St. Lambert Parish in Sioux Falls. And had this one parishioner that used to always sit in the front row. And I don't know, he'd like sleep during my homily. Whatever. So like, <laughs> yeah. Critiquing but, the heresy, more like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, after those three years, went on mission. So I'm now the mission priest for Harrisburg Area Catholic Community. Been there about five months. Five months. Um, what was it like growing up in the North End as a son of the Cathedral Father? Ah, great question. I, I realized this actually at St. Lambert quite a bit. Uh, because I was able to, from my recliner in my room, look out over Churchill Lane and see all these kids running around, and and the the sound like funneled. That was a large part of it. Was the sound funneled up, mm. and I could hear first, so it like drew me in, mm-hmm. and uh, and it made me think so much of being in Sioux Falls in the North End, because when I was growing up, you still knew where everyone lived. Everyone had, you know, the kids lived over there and, and the Newlands lived down there and the Pyatts were over here and the Oshavis were down there and the Brueggemans were over here and the Barnetts were there. And it it uh, had this sense of community that I don't really see anymore. I still see some neighborhoods where a few of the kids run around and stuff, but we knew everybody for like a 10 block Mm-hmm. radius mm-hmm. and you all went to the cathedral mm-hmm. if they weren't catholic you didn't really know <laughs> right right, <laughs> you right. Know, we the the guy across the street was lutheran you know we knew him right. uh, uh but and then there was a group that went to public schools and a group that went to catholic schools and the, it just was an amazing place and i could sit in the windowsill of my bedroom at 732 west 8th street and when i was really little I, we could fit inside the windowsill so we'd sit inside the windowsill, <laughs> mm-hmm. and if you looked off just in the one angle, you could see the red lights on the spires of the cathedral. Mm. And it was a beautiful life. To, you know, the the basement chapel was still in this mm-hmm. old fashion, so the confessionals were down there, and it was sort of dark and mysterious. And now, we also knew that you could come in the back door and go into the sacristy and there was always a bulletin sitting right on the counter and you could steal the bulletin and not go to mass and come home and put it on the counter and then mom and dad thought you went to mass because you had a bulletin. Theoretically, hypothetically, it was possible. <laughs> Theoretically, to yeah. yeah. My yeah. friends did that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So it was a beautiful life. Yeah, I really am fond memories. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, fond memories, too, of, of your time at St. Lambert's as well. So it's great uh, to have you as a pastor. Thanks. Now that you're no longer the pastor, I can have you on Ignition. <laughs> <Yeah. so. laughs> uh, I was wondering why you hadn't invited me. <laughs> only, the listeners can only, only can only handle so much of St. Lambert, Lambert, Lambertini's. Lambertini's, there we go, yeah. at a time. So... Uh, here we are. So uh, we're not here, though, to talk about your childhood yes, or what you great. did or didn't do with uh, church bulletins. <laughs> um, we're we're going to... Um, last week, Father and I talked a little bit about the holiday wars, um, and, and we want to continue sort of discussing um, some ways or alternative ways, really, to really enter into the the Advent and then the Christmas season, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe would be sure. the way. I should say, by the way, if, if you've never listened before, um, who am Hi, I'm Chris Bergwald. My role with the Diocese of Sioux Falls is Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization. Um, but I am a parishioner of St. Lambert's on the side of Sioux Falls. My wife and I have been, Jermaine and I have been married for about 18 and a half years, and we have five kids, all of them born in Sioux Falls, growing up on their east side. You're North Enders, my kids You're are east siders. Yep. <laughs> so here we are. So Father, let's let's talk a little bit about um, uh, another. Uh, we talked about the holiday wars, if you will, last week. Mm-hmm. One of the more and more recent. And this is not uh, the combative thing, but I don't I don't know what you a, a, a pop culture quote unquote devotion for yeah. lack of a better word. I don't know what you call <laughs> this thing. The Elf on the Shelf. Yes, is how, is our way into uh, into this episode. What what is the Elf on the Shelf, Father? Well. <laughs> I, I'm probably going to be wrong. Okay. What, what I you, understand yes, of the elf on the shelf. Your understanding of the elf on the shelf is that the elf is Santa's helper. Okay, and he is hiding in the house and he's watching the kids to make sure that they do good things and don't do bad things, and then he'll report back to Santa. And so you hide him at night, and then in the next morning, the kids like go and find him <clears> or something. Like you're like always looking for the elf, the elf on the, the shelf, elf. you yep. know, or he'll 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 be in funny postures, maybe he'll, you know, be blowing his nose or something sure. by the Kleenex box, or he's, you know, uh, feeding the goldfish and he's hanging over the fish pond, fish yep. tank or things like that. Sure. So he's kind of fun and, you know, it's, yep. Yep. it's enjoyable. You know? right. And the parents, I think, have a good time. It's creative. The parents have a good time the night before, like thinking up a new hiding spot. Hiding spot. Yeah, it's not really hiding, but no. like, yeah, that posture, maybe you would right, say. Right, right. So that's, I think that's, that's, to my understanding, that's Elf on the Shelf. Again, that's ignition at sfcatholic.org if we're wrong about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, correct, uh, yeah. You, correct your understanding of the Elf <laughs> on the Shelf. Uh, but it's become a horror story, Father. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. What, oh. I, I mean, what I mean is um, there's a way where we can subtly, as we yeah. often do, Sort of twist this fun little thing in, in in a well-intentioned way, but something that actually ends up getting at um, undermining what really Advent and Christmas is about. Yeah, which came from an article I was reading because I don't, I don't know much about the off on the shelf, or I didn't. And the article, the pastor was saying that we're basically teaching behavior modification. So the elf is kind of twisted in a way that parents are trying to keep their kids good. Mm. You know, you can like tie, you know, oh, you better not, you better put your shoes, you know, it snowed out and you got shoes, you better put your shoes back on the place, you know, before when you come inside or, 
You know, your room isn't very dirty, you know, isn't very clean. You know, I don't know. The elf might be watching. Well, then it just hit me like, this is Santa Claus. Right. <laughs> I mean, so it's Santa's the same thing. And what that is, is behavior modification. We're wanting kids to act in a certain way. And so we're using these means to do that. Now, we may not take it seriously or we might, might not be too bothered by it, but it is an education we're giving. We are on a regular basis throughout an important season talking to kids about being good and doing good things and not doing bad things. Um, just to anticipate, we're going to come, which what we're going to spend most of our time talking about, but right. And that's a bad thing. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what, what I was hoping. Yes. Um, if that's what Christianity mm. is reduced to, it's not only a bad thing, it's a problem in that we're setting our young people up or our kids up um, in a way that will be difficult to adhere to Christianity in that way in the future because we're bad. <laughs> and, and, and they're going to like, so I know Chris, so this is what this, and let me give you an example. I don't, I, I don't want to, be mean to somebody, mm -hmm. and I am. Mm -hmm. And over and over again, I'm like, why am I keep being mean to this person? Uh, maybe I don't say it, but in my heart, like I know, I'm, I'm like, okay. If I have been given a Christianity that is reduced to do good and don't do bad, I've failed. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, who wants to live like that? I'm walking out. I'm gonna go find a place where they say, you know what, we aren't very good people, or they're hypocrites. They say they're good people, but boy, they certainly don't act like it. Christianity is, I am someone who knows I should love this person and I can't, and I need some answer for this. And I look at the cross mm. and I see that there's somebody who has loved me in spite of my wretchedness. There is somebody who knows you have fallen. You are fallen. Let me in. Let me in. I've I've uh, redeemed you from these circumstances. I want to give you something different. I want to give you a power. Um, that is a beautiful proposal. And even if I can't quite get over it right away, it at least is something I can adhere to, that I can say, okay, you can still love me even though I'm working on this. Right. So that's where I would say um, it becomes a difficulty. I think it caught, I think, Many people think Christianity is about being good. And frankly, then, why do you need to go to church? Why do you need Jesus? Why do you need all those things? Lots of people do good things. <laughs> I mean, maybe on the whole, their life isn't filled with a lot of good things, but, you know, I mean, the the Vegas shooting, there were people that did really sacrificial things there and helped save people. There was, there was good things happening there. You know, do we need to check their pockets to see if they were Christians or not? <laughs> if you reduce Christianity to acting in a certain way, you've corrupted it. Yeah. yeah. We've, corrupt we've corrupted it. Yeah. Reduced it. Now, so 
it's not that. W- so, w- and I, I say we, Father and I, mm-hmm. because I completely agree with everything you've just said. Um, it's not that we're just say- we're not saying morality is bad. No, no, the, no, no. There no. is there is a Christian morality. There's a Catholic yep. morality. We, we are called to live in yep. a certain way. There's yep. that's absolutely true. But when we drew, reduce our faith, when we say Christianity is a morality, that's a moralism. Mm-hmm. And a great example would be. Um, where do I see the power came from to live the way I did? Right. So I'm doing good things. Do I see that this really did come from Christ? Or does it sort of feel like I've done the right thing? I did a good job. I did well. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Right. Um, and there's a reason St. Paul says, in my weakness is his strength. There's a reason St. Paul says, this this thorn is on my side uh, that you have permitted. He knows that it is Christ who lives in him who does these things. And I really believe we, number one, we're in a Protestant culture, and that influences the way we live out our Christian faith. Right. And so we we see morality not flowing from an event of God come to me, whether it in prayer or whether it is meeting somebody or whether it just like, like that moves me to change and, and like cause me to be different. That even almost surprises me. We think morality comes from my idea or my will of being good. I yep. call it the spiritual self-improvement program. Mm. How many people have a spiritual self-improvement program? It's like, taking modern humanism and just putting Jesus's name on it. Right. <laughs> it's all my idea. You know, I was, you think this is really, you thought this was, well, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yesterday, I woke up and in four hours, I did more to live um, a life I clean my I clean my place, right? right? I picked up after myself. Dignity, that's the word I was looking for. I lived like I, I showed a dignity of my human person. I like picked up my surroundings. I accomplished stuff that's been laying around for months that I haven't been able to do. Okay. If I live a Christianity, well, a morality that flows from the event says something happened. And I can point to it. I know what happened. Something a few days before was like a new energy flowed into mm-hmm. me. And all of a sudden, this stuff started like pouring out of me. Versus, I'm going to get my list together today, and I better get all these things done. Well, what happens? Eventually, I just don't get it, and I stop doing the list, and then I think I'm a failure, and then I think I can't do this. Well, if I live the first way, I just say, Lord, you got to come to me again here we are, it's two months and this stuff is piling up. Mm-hmm. Like, come to me, Lord, come to me, mm-hmm. come to me. Mm-hmm. And he does. Mm-hmm. He does. The other way doesn't put me in a position to cry out to God. It puts me in like a guilty position that I haven't done enough, that I guess I'm just the bad person and they're all good. And we start thinking everybody has their lives together but me. I don't have my life together. <laughs> like, anything right. I do have my life together, it's not because I only is grace. Um, so I think that the elf on the shelf, the way that it's proposed, 
is educating us to a moralism that doesn't flow from Christianity. And even though we don't tie Jesus to it, it's the elf on the shelf, it's still the way we're educating our children. It's we are the Christian. So as we educate our children this way, this is the way we're like working on our children. And I had said, you know, a Christian way to to do the elf on the shelf wouldn't necessarily be to, it would, we don't have to eliminate it. Right. I don't think we got to eliminate it. Um, but to have the elf maybe, and you put the elf in all these weird positions and the kid goes, finds it, and they find a little note in it that, you know, says a little story that you remember from your child or your children when they were growing up in which you laughed or you loved, you realized how much you loved them. A little story about the time you took a trip to the park and um, the, 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 you know, your little son or your daughter or whatever um, said something that's totally surprised you and like, blew you away mm-hmm. uh, or story the first time that your child prayed and the prayer that they prayed, you know, did you know that, you know, your first words were um, a scripture passage, you know, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and a little thing that's, you know, said, you know, Nicholas, I hope that you never forget that you have a God who loves you. Mm. I am to be that instrument. I may not always do it, but I hope you know that to the best I can, I want you to know you're loved. Hmm. That's Christianity. And this is Ignition, a broadcast for the new evangelization. My guest today is Father John Rutten. I'm Chris Bergwald. And we're talking about how Christianity is not just moralism. It's not just a behavior modification plan. It is knowing who I am and more importantly, who God is and who I am in him mm-hmm. um, and how uh, morality flows from that recognition of who he is and what he's done for me. Would that be a fair That's summary? That's fair. Yep. I do get better. <clears throat> right. I change. I, yep. But it comes because he has come. He moves. Uh, and, and the real disposition is one in which I beg, I pray, Lord, <laughs> Help me. <laughs> so, uh, and if you have questions about what we're talking about, uh, the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. So, Father, earlier you talked about the example of St. Paul and the thorn in the side. And what you're just saying there, um, just become more and more aware that part of the reason why God allows, you know, he always gives us enough grace to overcome. Uh, on the other hand, it seems clear that he at times allows us to struggle with um, either sins or at least uh, sinful inclinations. Um, and at least for me and, and, and others have said the similar things, but I know for me, I know that the reason he allows me to continue to struggle in certain ways is because I would be a pain in the butt if I, <laughs> if I got over them like this, like the pride and the arrogance that I always str- already struggle with would mm-hmm. be magnified exponentially if I were today as holy as I really desire to be. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. If I got over my faults instantaneously today, I would be I would be unbearable. Yes. Uh, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, in one of his responses for why God didn't send Jesus immediately after Adam and Eve fell, mm. he says something exactly just right down this road. He's, he says that the reason the time was permitted was to ensure that man experienced the depravity of their circumstances that they wouldn't fall again mm-hmm. after they were saved. Mm. 
Now that's on the large scale, but I just apply it right to my own life. Right. Why did God heal me of alcoholism at 26 years old and not at 16 years old? Mm -hmm. Because if he did at 16 years old, I probably would have become a religious punk, <laughs> a prideful religious zealot that, you know, had right. all the answers to everybody's problems in this world. And because it, he let me experience how poor I really am, I'm only a quasi-religious punk. <laughs> quasi nice. I, I have a little more compassion. So I'm struck. So we, we got off on this by talking about the example of the elf on the shelf, but then you tied it to Santa Claus and this popular notion of Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to read just the, the read because we, you don't want me to sing them, but Santa Claus is coming to town. One of those popular oh, yeah. Christmas, uh, you know, secular Christmas songs. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Pure moralism. Pure moralism. Behavior modification. Therapeutic Deistic, moralistic, therapeutic deism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't want to go down that route. No, we don't. But, no, we don't. Uh, yeah, that is it. That is it. That's behavior modification. And uh, I, again, it kind of seems like is this really worth it? And I am not telling people to eliminate Santa Claus. And I'm not telling. I'm, I'm. I'm. What I am saying is, do you know God? Right. Do you live this season aware that Christ <clears throat> is in your life? Uh, this is what our children need. And. I thought Santa Claus was coming. I remember waking up and going to the windows and thinking, I swearing I saw his footprints in the snow, mm -hmm. you know, the, mm -hmm. the reindeer's footprints in the snow. Like I'm not at all someone who is afraid of all of that. But we do need to take seriously that it's not as if Christianity and Santa Claus and all this stuff is like here and then, or like, Christianity's here and then that's there. Uh, it's me. So if I'm a parent, the way I'm raising my parents is Christianity. So if I'm using Elf on the Shelf, if I really am like wanting them to be good in this way, I have to ask myself, do I know what it is to be Christian? Mm -hmm. Do I know how I got good? Mm -hmm. Do I know that I still struggle? Well, if I do, what does it mean in front of my son who still struggles uh, or in front of my daughter who's starting to do these things? Um, That's, I think, it's, I don't even know if I'm getting it across, but there's no way to have both. Right, right. If I'm proposing behavior modification, be good and don't be bad, as sort of the fundamental part of my life, without the proposal of a new mystery that changes me and enters my life and the spirit who loves me and God who is with me, um, as the means to that being possible, I'm proposing something different than Christianity. So I'm, this is going to go off a little bit of the way we've been talking, but I think, well, it does connect back. So you talk about Santa Claus and you're sure you saw his um, footprints or whatever. Yeah. Um, for me growing up, Christmas Eve was always spent with my mom's other family and Santa and Mrs. Claus hmm. always came. And I remember as a young boy, um, well into elementary age with my cousins um, waiting with 
bated breath, excitement, like at my grandparents looking out the window, waiting mm. for Santa, imagining we see him. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, why? Because, of course, he was coming to give us gifts. That's yeah. why we were. But the excitement and anticipation, and now thinking mm-hmm. about Christ comes. Am, am I looking for him with just as much excitement and anticipation? Yes. And he's coming to bring me gifts. Yes. Yes. This is exactly what I'm getting at. And the reason I think we stop living this way, maybe we never did, but maybe we started and we stopped living this way, <clears throat> is we don't believe there's a gift that comes from him. Exactly. Either we've never experienced it or we don't think it's possible in these circumstances. Right. Yes, that's it. I, I every day I feel like I am living the fullness of why I looked out that window and said there were footprints and told people for years that I saw Santa's reindeer's footprints. But if that isn't a real experience in Christianity that I'm talking about, eventually the lie that's in me, I wanted that to be true. Yep. Now, I was a kid. I'm not sure like at what age I realized, okay, this isn't true anymore. Stop telling the story. Right. I wanted that to be true. If we're living Christianity that way, I want this to be true that God is with me. Eventually, people aren't moved by that. I have this different look. But if it is true, if I am living constantly awake, like last weekend's readings, he shows. Mm -hmm. He shows in ordinary ways. But we also have to be able to, if, if we're about being good and bad, that's easy to say, ah, you've been a good Christian. Right. But it's harder to say, Christ was just present to me. Right. That's a different thing. We haven't talked like that in a long time. Right. What does it mean that God just showed up in my life? How do I know it? Um, I get jealous that other people have these experiences and I don't. Have I had these experiences? You know, it's just a different thing. But when we live this way, people are alive. That's why they stop going to the Vikings games and start staying here. Why? Because they don't want to miss what might happen. Right, right. <laughs> I'm staying because I don't right. want to miss what might happen. Because we, there's there's life with these people. Yes, when we're when we're a community of people uh, who have met Christ and they know it, and they they're looking for Him with excitement, and anticipation yeah. throughout the course of their daily lives. That's something which is uh, in the best way contagious. Yes, and and it's joyful, and we see it, and we want what they have. We want what they have. This is Christianity. It's an attraction. It's not a behavior modification plan. It's not a spiritual self-improvement plan. No. And the elf on the shelf doesn't have to go away. My proposal would be, when the kids wake up, put something with him that reminds them of who they are, how much they're loved, and that God is a part of their life. Because he is. Because he is. And if I haven't experienced it as a parent, I'm going to have a hard time pointing to that. But wanting it is the beginning of it for myself. And if you want it because you can't pass it on to your children, I promise you he will answer your desire because Christ still comes today. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Chris. And that will wrap, us, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, if you've got questions for today's episode, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or if you've got ideas for future episodes, you can also reach us on Twitter at SFDiocese and use the hashtag Ignition. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.